Hello. Hi. How are you? Welcome to another episode of Calm Before the Score. I'm your host, Matt Andrus, along with new-ish now co-host, Corey Furco. Corey, how are you? How's it going? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. Um, our other co-host, Brian Hyland, is not with us currently. Um, he may join us later. He had a little bit of a family situation um, that just needed, you know, a little time, a little taken care of. Um, but he may join us. He might not. Um, but it's all good, though. Nothing to be concerned about. Um, before we talk about kind of what we're going to talk about this week, um, there's something that happened late last week, early this week. I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, but one of the main guys, one of the main things we talked about last week, the players getting cut, J.J. Watt signed to the Cardinals this year or this week on a two-year, $31 million deal, which I was surprised because, one, I didn't think J.J. was going to get that kind of money. Um, two, I didn't know that he was allowed to sign a contract yet. Like, free agency hasn't started. He's not on a team. Yeah, I know he was cut, but like, he's still a free agent. So, like, one, how is he allowed to just start signing deals already? And two, are you surprised that one, he went to the Cardinals, and two, that he got the amount of money that he got? So first, um, the Texans kind of did him. I think that was mutual respect there. They knew they were parting ways. They explored a trade. And I think that's one of those where by cutting him at a certain time, due to the timing, it allowed him to reach a deal before free agency opened. Um, so there's, a, a, date, so there's yeah. a date where if you cut somebody before then, they're just automatically available to everybody? Yeah, there's a window where if you cut certain people at a certain time, they're just available to sign before free agency. Now, right. Obviously, they could have played this out. Maybe they could have post-first them. Um, I think with this contract way it was set up, they didn't have to. I think they saved enough money. I think it's close to 18. But I think it was more about just giving J.J. an early head start on free Chance. agency. The respect, right. let him pick his place, thank him for his years at Houston and Kind of just that mutual like split. That was actually nice to see. Um, right. I guess hindsight, the, money, the earlier, I assume the earlier that they can, this ties into the money. The earlier he gets cut, the earlier he can sign. Theoretically, the more money he can get paid because that money's not tied up to other people already. Well, not only right? that, so 100%. there's no way he's getting this contract if he was released or cut at the same time that everybody else was hitting free agency. See. I don't, I don't want to say that because apparently based off what I'm reading is he got offered more money to play somewhere else. Um, but we'll, ah, I'll talk about that. that seems... I think a big thing, like you said, is they don't know who else is going to be on the market. They don't know what other players are going to touch the market. So if you're Arizona, if you're Indianapolis, if you're Cleveland, Pitts, whatever teams were trying to get J.J. Watt, they don't know what players there. All they do know is they have this all-pro, reliable, I know he's been banged up, but quality guy to bring onto this team, it's like, all right, let's do it. Um, now, I did read a couple articles. Again, you never know what's true anymore with all the smoke screens and the BS out there. But I read the Colts had offered him more money. Um, I had heard that the Colts go back did and not, forth, and that was all. And that was all made up. I heard uh, basically that like Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, had said like, you know, we were in talks, but. A number had never really been officially kind of 
discussed. So who, whatever insider put out that the Colts had offered more basically said like wasn't really true because there wasn't really a number that came up kind of situation. But yeah, is that Ballard? Is that Ballard trying to cover his ass for not getting the job done? Maybe making Colts fans saving face, yeah. maybe making Colts fans a little less upset with him because he's been killing, cool. been in the division for so long. He's been killing them for ten years. Could that be him, like you know, making up for striking out a little bit, or is that just you know somebody else trying to drum up some info? Well, I think part of it too you have to look at it is JJ has been a Houston Texan for his whole career, right? He's division rival against the Colts. So right. does he even want to go to an in-division rival? Is it quite like more money, less money, whatever it was, it was a good situation for him. He might've said, you know what? Screw it. I don't want to go battle Houston in the same division. I'm going to go play with D hop again. A guy who apparently right. had a connection with you wonder who could have told yeah, him. You wonder how much how recruiting Hopkins did. Right. So you wonder, I mean, yeah, you wonder if, um, yeah, you wonder how much recruiting as, Hopkins did, and if that actually was a big part of it, and how much of it was wanting to play on a team that looks good, wanting to play on a team that has a bright future, and wanting to get the hell out of Houston. Yeah, well, I mean, he definitely wanted to get the hell out of Houston. Um, I think back to your Ballard point. I mean. We'll never know. I mean, could he be just trying to save face, right? He, right. If a rumor comes out you offered a guy more money and he took less money to theoretically go to a team who's less ready to compete immediately, that's not a good look. So if that was true, he would save face. Or he's being real and he's saying, look, no numbers were 100% made. So it all depends. But again, it's all just rumors, right? That's all this time frame is going to be. Until that pen touches the paper and he's in Arizona like he is now. Right. And uh, joining us now, the third member of the show. Um, not too late, actually. I'm a couple minutes. So, uh, Brian, how are you? How's it going? How's everything going on? Howdy, Matt and Corey. I'm good. How are you guys? I hear we're talking a little JJ Watt action. Little little JJ here before we get into the, uh, the pandemonium that next week probably is going to be in the NFL. Fingers crossed. Any thoughts on that's always what you want out of an offseason. Big fan of pandemonium, especially in an offseason. You just want, yeah, chaos. Um, all right. But so, what were your thoughts just, on just kind of? Well, I just want to, on my thoughts, I was going to say, just hopping in, it sounded like you guys kind of had similar. I don't know if you have similar thoughts, but I was very confused by the Cardinals. Um, that was a team that I didn't expect to no, I make don't a push for. Did. And it was not a team that I expected them to sign with. Um, you know, you heard about the Steelers and the Browns, um, two teams who both made the playoffs last year. Um, Steelers won their division. Browns won a playoff game. And the Cardinals um, lost in week 17 with the chance to make it to the playoffs. Um, I don't know how much J.J. Watt adds to them. How I think their biggest issue is, you know, their disappearing offense in the second half of the season. Um, I think JJ can you know, catch. He's played tight end for the Texans. I, maybe get him out there a little bit. Maybe. I, I think it probably has to do with money. Um, I, I don't know what the other teams were offering. Um, I, I think maybe the Cardinals came in with more guaranteed money than everyone else. 
and have kind of swayed his opinion to go there, that would make the most sense to me. Otherwise, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe he likes the warm weather. I could see that, I guess. Like, just wanted to play in Arizona. I mean, it seems like a nice place. Yeah, and I like that you touched on, like, about guaranteed money because that's one thing with contracts that peop- a lot of people don't think about. The Colts, the Steelers, I don't think the Steelers did with Ben coming back, but like the Bills, the Browns, they could have offered more money on paper. How was that money getting to him, though? Is it all guaranteed? Is it, you know, so maybe the, I think for him to go to Arizona, like Brian said, I think financially it had to be one of the better situations, whether he got offered a more total or not. Um, I also think maybe the connection with Hopkins, I don't know. Also, maybe just going to the NFC. Because all the other teams we're talking about, Browns, Colts, Bills, Steelers, they're all AFC teams. So maybe he's thinking, I'm going to show Houston a little bit of respect here and I'm going to go away too, to a different conference. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I see that. They, they uh, granted his wishes to be released. And he's yeah. like, okay, you know, I'm not going to go within the same conference. I'm NFC. Um, for you know incentives that are very Mm -hmm. reachable so it seemed like a a reasonable contract um i still think he has a few good years left in him i think pairing him up with uh jones is going to be a a fierce pass rushing tandem um but you know i think it's i do think it's kind of a situation where it's like a lot of the guys on that defense you know the ESPN put out that graphic it was like oh imagine this defense it was like Patrick Peterson Chandler Jones J.J. Watts like well Patrick Peterson's kind of on the back nine of his career J.J. Watts on the back nine of his career Chandler Jones is still doing good but he's coming off a torn bicep Um, Isaiah Simmons was on the graphic and it's like okay he has the chance to be good but he was pretty bad last year Um, and then Buda Baker is really the only like bona fide stud that they have that's like a guaranteed um considering Jones is coming off that bicep. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Patrick Peterson without a contract right now? He's I a believe, agent, yeah. So I believe it's so. The word on the I street mean, is he's not going to be there next year. Well, and that's what I was going to say, but then that's what I've been hearing, and then I read an article today that the J.J. signing obviously boosts his odds of coming back because now it's like they're kind of pushing their chips in a little bit, I guess, on defense, but money's a thing too, so – We'll have to see. Right. Maybe Cliff can finally finish above 500. We'll see. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and talking about contracts and the most guaranteed money, throughout most of the rest of this episode, we're going to basically talking about the downfalls. If you're a player of not having your contract fully guaranteed a little bit, um, because Next week, supposedly the salary cap is going to be finalized, which teams are going to know the amount of money they have to work with. Um, and that's when the pandemonium is going to begin because there's a lot of teams that have a lot of money available and there's a lot of teams that have negative amounts of money available. Um, and those negative teams obviously got to get rid of players to get back to that money. Um, but some of the teams that have the most salary cap space – with a projected salary cap of 180 mil that puts the Jags of the most space with 85 million under the salary cap. The Jets have 77 mil. Brian got to feel good about that. I think it's a coincidence that the number one, number two picks in the draft have the first and second most cap space. That's not a coincidence, right? That's just teams that stink. 
they just don't have any good players because they're not yeah, paying I mean, anybody anything. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, bad teams. I mean, teams on expiring contracts, um, you know, teams that cut cut underperforming players or you know, players who, you know, the Jets gave out a bunch of bad contracts. I mean, you look at some of their free agent signings, they gave out just bad contracts. And Joe Douglas's whole philosophy was basically like, okay, we're going to see what we can do with these one-year signings, see if we have anything with these guys. And then basically, you know, have all this surplus of cap space when there's going to be potentially more free agents um, the following season. So I'm thinking the Jags probably are in a similar boat. I don't know too much about their situation, but I think it's like, you know, like you said, man, I mean, you're, if you're a bad team, you generally have more cap space. Um, you know, they have young players on the roster. They fill out their roster with rather than signing free agents, they fill them out with like undrafted rookies to see what they have out of them. So I think there is definitely probably a correlation there and, you know, a good reason why both of those teams are drafting at the top. Yeah. And right. uh, I agree. Like you look at Jacksonville, it's easier to cut ties with a Calais Campbell who can still play, but his price tag's higher. It's easy to cut ties with him when you know you're not going to be too good, right? Uh, and Guacway, I did I butcher that name? I can never say it right. The DN. It's yeah, easier to not pay him in his mid-20s when he's supposed to be, which I don't think he is, this elite pass rusher, and trade him, right? It's easier to cut ties. Le'Veon Bell, they got out of that contract situation for the Jets. They didn't bring Jamal Adams into this huge contract. You know, it's easier to make those moves when you're not – on the cusp of playoffs or in the playoffs. So I, I do think there's a correlation there, but I also think it's easier to cut ties with guys who still have something left when you're not close. So. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like you said, if, if there are teams competing for the playoffs, who do they go to try to pick up? They look for people on expiring contracts on bad teams, you know, good teams competing for the playoffs aren't going to be getting rid of these contracts of so people who might still be able to compete, you know, like, if the Jaguars were still competing for the playoffs on a yearly basis, they wouldn't be getting with Ngakwe or Clay's Campbell, you know? So it's just kind of, I think nature of being bad and kind of snowballs on top of each other. And then that leads to the following season. They have this like bloated cap space. Teams with the third and fourth most space are the Patriots who went eight and eight and the Colts who lost in the first round of the playoffs. Right? To the Bills. Yeah, they lost to the Bills. That was a great game. I remember clearly. Um, and the Broncos have 43. Pats at 66. Colts at 44. Broncos at 43. Those are the teams with the most amount of space. Uh, the teams with the least amount of space kind of is where we're going to be focusing a little bit here. Once we start talking about free agency and some forecasting, that's when we'll talk about the teams with the most space. But this time right now is when players are getting cut. We're talking about teams with the least amount of cap space. Number one on that list is the Saints have negative 61 mil in cap space, which is horrific. Is is it just me or have the Saints had, had negative like $50 million in yeah. cap space for the past like 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, been, yeah, they are always they always have yeah, they're yeah, they're always in a bad cap spot. I feel like uh, every second. every offseason they're in cap hell and like Every offseason, they end up like they squeak you know, out with like they, one they, mil left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they they squeak out or they like give like a big contract extension to like one of their like players. It's like, well, I don't I don't get it. But okay. the Rams were like that yeah. for me too. I don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just have monopoly money. But exactly, uh, we'll talk about the Rams. Um, second least amount of cap space or second most. You get it. Uh, the Eagles with negative 43, which yeah, yeah. Shout, yeah, shout out, 
Shout out us. Just crushing it. <laughs> Shout out Money Manager uh, Howie. Yeah, we don't say his name around here. It's a positive show, Brian. You know this. Uh, the Rams, like you said, have negative 35 mil. The Chiefs have negative 22 mil. And the Falcons have negative 19. Uh, also, the Packers, Bears, Lions, and Vikings, which, oh my. interestingly enough, is an entire division. They are also all in the negatives. So 19 with negative amounts of cap space. That Lions um, su- surprises me. Well, I think it's Jared Goof is making like $89 million this year. So he's like, I don't know, like 86% of their cap space or something like that. Yeah, and Trey Flowers signed that decent-sized contract on the D-line, I guess. And I'm sure they they had to absorb some sort of hit with staff. I'm assuming. They did, yes. So. It's – for a team that stinks, like the Lions do, the fact that they don't have cap space too, it's – honestly, it's impressive. Well, I, I just know that they, like, have been pushing off signing Galladay and Jones. Yeah. And, like, so it's, like, how they're – Where's the money? They don't even have like these like big contracts yeah. for yeah. between Trey Flowers like, and Jared Goff. What are you doing? It's almost twenty three or it's almost twenty four percent of their salary cap just between That'll Jared Goff and Trey fourth. Flowers. That'll do it. One fourth yeah. of your cap to Trey Flowers and Jared Goff. Nice. Yeah, that. Also, shout out Big V. He's uh he's, yeah, he's eating some cap, ten, right? He's making he's making ten mil next year for the Lions. Good lord. So, Thank you, Big V, for the Super Bowl, but that take your money and hide will, in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that will hurt. Um so talking about a couple of teams here more specifically a little bit. Um the Saints is where I want to start, and we'll touch on the Eagles and the Rams and the Chiefs here a little bit. Just kind of some individual players that maybe if you're a fan of teams other than these, maybe guys that you could think about signing to your team. Um, I want to start with the Chiefs here. Uh, a name to keep an eye on for getting cut this week, uh, Quan Alexander, linebacker. If the Saints cut him, it saves them 13 mil. Now, I understand he's a really good player, but 13 mil is also a lot of money for a guy who was hurt last year. Um, also, Janoris Jenkins, corner, he is old. That saves him seven mil. Uh, right tackle Ryan Ramchick, they're probably not going to cut him uh, because he is so good. Um, but that would save them 11 mil. And then D tackle Malcolm Brown is the name who's been tossed around, and that would save them five. Uh, I know that still wouldn't make up enough, but Drew Brees is supposed to retire. If he does, that saves them 24. And instantly that kind of solves a lot of their problems that cuts their cap overage. I don't think that's a word, but it cuts that in half. Um, so if you're a Saints fan, are you sad to see any of these guys go? And if you're like Brian, the Jets fan, do you want any or all of these guys on your team? Um, so for me, I think too, we're not talking, we're just talking pure cuts, assuming restructures. Right. We're not, we're not we're talking not restructures. So, yeah. Restructures um, gets messy. It gets muddy. I feel like it's cheating the system. There's so many bit. options. And yeah. Because you just, so, if you're supposed to pay somebody 10 mil, we'll just restructure your deal. We'll pay you 1 mil this year. But if you sign the dotted line, we'll give you 9 mil. So you make the same amount of money. You're getting it up front. And it's just, it's what a lot of teams do. But I'm not, we can't forecast who's going to restructure what. Yeah. You know? So we're strictly so, just talking about straight cuts. 
<laughs> just straight cuts, straight cuts, homie. Um, so for me, I think Quan Alexander conversation has to start there, right? Um, they say what? I think so too. Twelve to twelve mil, about somewhere in that ballpark. Thirteen, yeah, somewhere, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in that twelve, thirteen now, area. They added him, I believe, last year, right, right before around yep. the deadline, as a piece to help him get over the top. Now, you look at this. I say, I say, he probably gets cut in my eyes. Um, you go down the list. I think Malcolm Brown is a trade or cut. Either way, I think he's not going to be back with the Saints. Um, another interesting one is Emmanuel Sanders to me. You do take a yeah, four million dollars like six and a half cap, but you save but, some money. I think but you, you save. You take ten and a half off your book, so you it's a net of six and a half mil savings. So um, yeah, and you just keep going down. I mean, there's some guys with dead cap hits, but. Really, it's what kind of team are the Saints trying to do next year? Are they going to keep this hope alive that we're going to keep going to the playoffs? We're going to finally get over that hump again and go? Or are they going to say not a rebuild, but a reset where they're going to get, okay, we're going to cut ties with some of these guys so we can start to retool, rebuild with our quarterback, Winston, whoever it may be. That changes it. Um, I do think my most likely two is Quan Alexander, Sanders, or three, and Malcolm Brown. Yeah, I think so too. A team which is near and dear to our hearts here, the Eagles. Yes. Um, this is just – it's just – I say this in the most positive way possible, but the Eagles are a clusterfuck right now. There's no better way to put it. So in doing some of my math, just some guys that I thought – well, kind of doing some research are the most likely to get cut. Uh, Derek Barnett, former first-round pick, cutting him would say $10 million this year. Uh, Marquise Goodwin's a guy, but they're already talking restructure. He opted out last year. Um, but he and the Eagles are already talking about a restructuring deal, so that's probably not. Uh, Brandon Brooks is a guy who I would hate to see go, but post-June 1st, it would save you 10 mil. Zach Ertz, post-June 1st, would save you 8 mil. These are a couple of guys like, you know, Barnett recovered the – you know, recovered the fumble of Brady in the Super Bowl. Zach Ertz is one of the best Eagles of all time. And Brandon Brooks is maybe the best O-lineman when healthy in football. So these are three major guys that I think have a good chance of getting cut. I mean, hopefully not. You'd like to keep everybody, but with the Eagles cap situation, you just can't. Yeah, um, so I- I agree fully. I think Ertz, I don't see him back. Um, it's sad, but at the same time, I think it's just time to go different ways. Um, a name you didn't mention that I think could say is going to save maybe 600000 J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Arcega I think he's gone. I think with – Potentially. I just don't think that's um, enough money to, to, to try to save. I know he stinks. But it's not all about money. It's about that chart space too. True, so but I think maybe you're not going to carry nine coach. receivers. You got Hightower second year. If you keep a good one, you got Rieger, right? You got Fulgham. You got Greg Ward, who you just tendered to keep, try probably to keep. You theoretically should draft another receiver too. The space there, that half a million is worth it when you can save a roster space as well. Right. In theory, you probably take hopefully fun. take a receiver at six. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying he will, but it's it's a potential there. It's small, but it's meaningful. It is. Um, there is potential. Avery's another one. Avery, you yeah. can save close to a mil. It's small oh. potatoes, but in this situation, small potatoes could add up. I do. The reason I didn't have him. 
reason I didn't have Avery is because the Eagles are already talking about him changing positions and looking at different spots. Granted, you know, you could wait till OTAs and then get rid of him if you don't like what he's doing. Yeah, and again, but, I'm just saying people, like, he wouldn't carry any dead money, and he's not, like, an integral part where they're like, we can't get rid of him. So, and I think you go down, I think the guys, like you're saying, Matt Pryor, who I like as a utility lineman, his days could be numbered. They could save another mill with him. Barnett's the big one. But one thing about the Eagles cap situation, I know this is a little trap, just got this out there. We're going to be in really good cap shape next year. Once his oh, dead yeah. money comes off, a lot of contracts clear That's up. That's what hurts the Eagles. Um, next year, which is nice because that could help you with a rebuild if whatever quarterback situation, but it's escapable. It's one year of hell for hopefully a few more years of flexibility, but we'll see. Because with you take Wentz out of this equation, say we didn't have any Wentz dead cap money, we have like what 10 mil of dead of, of over the cap instead of 43. Like that's kind of a big that's a that's a big jump. The one thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, um, Matt, you mentioned it is a Godwin. And I think that'll be an interesting thing that we see in Goodwin. this off Goodwin. Um, that we see in this off season is players who opted out last year, how teams deal with that situation. Like a player on the Jets who opted out, CJ Mosley, plays middle, he's obviously a middle linebacker, and he has like a $17 million cap hit. Are the Jets going to be willing to pay that like what are teams going to do with these guys who have these big cap hits and they opted out last year you know i think i think that's an interesting thing that we're going to see this off season and something that i think teams are kind of going to punish players who opted out and kind of try to you know restructure their deals or you know cut them as cap casualties in because saying you know you didn't play last year um, we saw what we were able to do without you or whatever it is. But, you know, I think teams aren't going to be as willing to let these guys come back after a year off at, with these big cap hits. Yeah, and I think that's the great point. I mean, you look at it. Also, are they taking care of their bodies? You know, their bodies need to be in tip-top shape, right? A year away from moving full speed like that, who Mosley, I believe, is in his 30s. I'm just using his name because the Jets, mm-hmm. high price tag. What kind of player are you getting back? Could it be better? He got a year of rest? Yeah. Could he have eight chips hung out and not worked out as much as he should have possibly? So I think that's something to definitely keep an eye on, like Brian said. For Mosley's 28. Mosley's only 28? Okay. So I knew he was getting close, but – But yeah, still, the, the same situation applies. Interesting. Oh, it applies at any age. You could see 20-year-olds do the same thing in the NBA or 23 in the NFL, whatever it is, but – that's interesting. That's a very good point. What is because our team's gonna punish them. Like you look at some of these guys, like they were relied on, especially on the Patriots end. They yeah. had a lot of big name defensive guys that just said, look, and I'm not gonna judge them, they have the right to, right? Yeah, it'll, it'll 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 be interesting. And like you, football shape, they're gonna come back in. Um, you know, Mosley, like it, it, it's an interesting thing. And you know, I I kind of forgot about the Patriots. Like how many defensive players they had opt out. Um, you know, Bill Belichick, known to be kind of a ruthless um, 
GM. Like, I think he, you know, he's going to probably try to punish these guys and look for cheaper options elsewhere if they can if they can uh, get it. Like, if they have a signing bonus um, or a roster bonus, I think yep. you'll see a lot of these guys either restructuring their their deals or getting cut and teams moving on from them. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's so it's never happened. So it's like what happens here? And you know teams are gonna have the reason, you know. Um say Mosley comes back and the Jets are like, you know what? I think his cap hits pretty high, but say a guy who isn't a huge cap hit like a good one, it's like, all right, he's just not as quick as he was when we signed him. Like it's an easy they'll come up with an excuse here. He's not the same player, he's not as quick. Like they'll have some sort of reason, but it could just be they're pissed at him for yeah, yeah. and and good Goodwin's a tough one because he was like his big thing, and like the reason that Eagles signed him, and the reason they got all this money was just he was speed and quickness. And it's like, okay, what's he gonna be like with an entire year off? Like you see with these guys who, and I know it's different, but like who get injured or like have to like take extended time off when they come back, they do look different. Like look at Le'Veon Bell, yep. a guy who sat out an entire year when he came back, he looked completely different like he did Melvin not have gordon. the same burst melvin gordon took the same thing he sat out a little bit for that contract you could see it took a few weeks six weeks for him to really get going one thing with goodwin too is the eagles are in a completely different situation than when that contract was given to him mm-hmm. they thought they had Wentz, right they thought they needed that just speedster to put that offense over now it's like wait we need to kind of rebuild here so it's like maybe the vision for goodwin isn't there anymore and that's a thing Patriots are similar. When they had all these guys, they were thinking AFC championship, right? Brady or not, they're still thinking playoffs. They were eight and eight, which for the situation was pretty good for them. But there, it's a whole different realm now where these teams are at. So it's going to be interesting. Well, also like, you know, when Goodwin signed, Doug Peterson was a coach. Like teams yeah. with like different coaches. Like, I, exactly. I don't know specifically if anyone from the Lions opted out, but like, or like, you know, but the Jets, it's like, he signed and with Adam Gates and Greg Williams, and now it's a completely different coordinator and GM. Even the GM's different. McKagan signed. Yeah. So he's probably so he's probably thrilled then. I mean, he's probably happy because it's probably an upgrade. But also, it's like you know, those are the type of guys who end up getting cut. Yeah, weird situations. Yeah, that GM didn't sign him. Uh, a couple other names here that are kind of you know high high profile guys in the league um, who might get cut just because they have you know, big salaries, but they don't have any dead cap money associated with them. Um, I got a list of them here. And then you guys can kind of decide if you think these people will get cut, if they won't get cut, if it makes sense, but I'll just kind of run through them. Just let me know afterwards if one of them sticks out to you. Right. So remember the bills, John Brown, you cut him, they save eight mil. Robbie Anderson, if they the, the Panthers cut him, they save eight mil. Geno Atkins, if the Bengals cut him, they save nine mil. Sheldon Richardson, if the Browns cut him, they save twelve mil. Big one, Jarvis Landry, if the Browns cut him, they save eleven mil. Von Miller, this is a different one because he's already said he wants to go back to Denver. Denver's already said they want him back. They're working on a restructure, but if that doesn't work out, cut Von Miller, it saves them eighteen mil. Uh, Zadarius Smith with the Packers, cut him, it saves 11 mil. Brandon Cooks with the Texans, cut him, it saves 12 mil. 
Marcus Mariota with the Raiders, cut him, it saves 10 mil. Trent Brown with the Raiders, cut him, it saves 14 mil. Mike Williams with the Chargers, cut him, it saves 15 mil. Linval Joseph with the Chargers, cut him, it saves 11 and a half mil. Riley Reef, cut him from the Vikings, it saves 14 mil. If the Steelers cut Ebron, it saves 6 mil. If the Seahawks cut Carlos Dunlap, it saves 14 mil. And if the Seahawks cut Jerron Reed, it saves eight and a half mil. These are guys who are, you know, most of them have been pro bowlers in the past who's because of the salary, you know, decreasing so much this year, it they might be out on the open market looking for a new home. So do any of these guys stick out to you at the end of you think will be gone, won't be gone, hope they're gone, anything like that? So I, I tried to tried to keep up with you with the, with the list, the guys who I, I think will be cut. Um, I think John Brown will be cut. Um, he missed yep. a lot of time last year. Uh, they have Davis, the, the rookie from la- last year. Um, obviously, Stephon Diggs led the league in receiving yards, and Cole Beasley was one of the most efficient slot receivers last year. So I think he probably will be gone because you can kind of make up his production elsewhere. You know, two years ago, he was there lone thousand yard receiver, but this past year they kind of brought back in Stephon Diggs and John Brown, even when he was playing, wasn't getting as many targets. And for eight mil, I think, you know, they're probably going to get rid of him. Uh, I don't see the Panthers getting rid of Robbie Anderson. Um, Curtis either. Samuel is going to be a free agent. So I think Robbie, they just signed him last year. He had a thousand yards. He was an efficient receiver. Um, he's a Matt rule guy from temple. So I don't see him getting, getting cut Geno Atkins I think he'll probably probably get cut but you know I don't know if he'll go elsewhere um he's kind of the guy that like when you think of Geno Atkins you think Ben Colson so that might be a restructuring deal um Brandon Cooks he'll probably be looking for a new home uh you know Texans are in disarray that what do they have any use for a 10 million dollar contract with a wide receiver or whatever it is when they don't even know who's going to be throwing in the ball uh, Trent, Bra- Trent Brown, um, he'll probably uh, be cut. Uh, he's kind of just a just a big fat slob. Uh, I, <laughs> I think the Ra- I think the Raiders kind of regret that contract. <laughs> Did not deserve that. <laughs> Although shout out his uh, tattoo that he has. He has a great tattoo. Um, and then <laughs> you can look that up for yourself. We're not going to explain it. <laughs> oh, you, you know. And then the last, one, the last one I was thinking is uh, Len, Linville Joseph. I think he'll probably be cut. I think guys um, like Von Miller or Zadarius Smith, like guys who are still effective when they're playing and like playing at high levels. Like Von Miller was a pro bowler, like borderline. I think he was an all pro two years ago. Like obviously he had the injury, but he's already shown he can come back from major injury and still be just as effective. Um, Zadarius Smith, like he's – was tops in the league in pressures two years ago and was still, I think, in the top five this past year. So there's really no reason to cut someone like that. It's not like you're paying him $30 million. You know, it's uh, to save $11 million just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And the Packers are a team that, yeah, they are in the negatives, but they're only in the negatives by like three mil. That's like a restructure. And then you're good. Yeah. You know, or it's like cut, you know, two or three kind of low level guys. And you're, you know, they're fine. Zarius doesn't have to go anywhere. 
Yeah, and I agree with what a lot of what you said, Bri. Um, one name that sticks out to me is Ebron. I think he's as good as gone. I think Steelers value him. He could be a cut and bring back Kennedy. Um, I just think you look at their cap situation. I know Ben restructured to get a little bit lower, but they're losing some pieces. I don't think that sixth mil is going to be keeping Ebron there. Um, a name for me, Sheldon Richardson, Brian's old jet. Um, I think that $12 million price tag for the Browns is something to keep an eye on. You know, they're trying to upgrade different things. Um, where they go with that, that's going to be interesting. That's just a high price tag, I think. Um, another one, I think, Geno Atkins, I think he's uh, probably going to get cut, the situation, right? Um, it also depends what Atkins wants, too. Is he okay sticking it out with this rebuild they're having, which they've been in for a while, I guess, but or does he want to go to a contender? So if he's cool with it, maybe it's a cut and re-sign situation. Um, the name that's interesting to me is Mike Williams because the Chargers don't need cap space, right? But at the right. same time, you got Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry's a free agent. Was it Guyton? I think his name is Guyton. He could stretch the field. He's a nice slot piece. He looks spread out wide, get him moving. Do the Chargers look at what they have with Herbert? They signed Eckler. They now need a tight end. Do they cut a Mike Williams who hasn't lived up to those expectations? I think when they drafted him, save 15 mil, invest that into a big time receiver coming out, or maybe put it into the defense or the offensive line to try to build up again to protect that quarterback or support him. That's a name to keep an eye on. Um, I think Linville Joseph, again, I think he's definitely probably a cut candidate, big price tag. But between those two guys, that's like, what is that, 27 million? And they don't even need the cap. So with the cap shrinking this year and everything, I think they could see them on the cusp maybe if Herbert takes another step. But they're the guys I think stick out. And Riley Reef, I think he's definitely gone personally. Yeah, Riley Reef is good as gone. Um, I think Mike Williams, I think with him, you pay if he's on the team, you pay him 15. Would you rather cut him and then give somebody like Allen Robinson who wants 16? Like Allen Robinson is one million dollars a year better than Mike Williams, easily. Like you said, they don't have they don't have huge kind of salary cap trouble, especially now while they have their starting quarter while their starting quarterback is under a rookie deal. That's kind of the way you know teams have been winning Super Bowls recently, except for Tom Brady. But it's quarterbacks on their rookie deals and build teams around them. So you wonder if you know you cut if you're the Chargers, you cut Lynn Ball, you cut Mike Williams. Let's see, a 27, you give a lot of that to somebody like Allen Robinson, and then the other 10, maybe you split between, you know, some O-line, some D-line, you take that other 10 and you put it directly towards O-line, you put that directly towards a corner, you know, maybe you turn around and give that 10 to Quan Alexander, who's just going to be, we think, cut from the Saints. I don't so, know if you – I don't know if you cut – Mike Williams and then immediately turn around and, and give that, you know, big contract right to an, another wide receiver with having Keenan too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, you kind of look at where the chargers need help. You know, you don't really think like they need help at wide receiver. I think um, the one, I think they will try to upgrade the defense a little bit because they got Brandon Staley coming in. Um, you know, he's obviously, old defensive coordinator. He's going to probably want to build up that defense a little bit anywhere that he can. Um, so I would 
think that if they do make those cuts, that they probably try to spend that on somewhere on the defense. But I think, you know, just getting Derwin James back is going to be a big boost to that defense. And, you know, really they're, you know, what a few O-linemen away and a healthy season from all their stars away from being, you know, at least in the playoffs. Yeah. And when I mentioned cutting them, I thought was, you know, there's a couple of veteran receivers out there like a Corey Davis who might only take eight mil to bring in for a few years. But if you do something like that, cutting those, you could still bring in a Thune. Uh, Trent Williams, who I think will probably go back to San Fran, but you never know. Like somebody like that who's a veteran lineman, they keep Herbert upright. Um, I also think it makes it easier when you have a speedster who can stretch the field and Guyton and you have a reliable top receiver in Allen. Um, they're going to need a tight end, but as we've seen, you could find these young athletic tight ends when you have other pieces around them that could produce enough. So, I mean, they're an interesting case because – do they get caught up in, we're not in cap trouble, right? We're decent. Let's hurry this up and fast motion this and sign some older guys to gap it. Or do you see them take their time and try to fill the holes long-term? So it's interesting. I personally like Mike Williams. I think he's a great compliment to that group. Big receiver can go up and get it. But do they move him that 15 mil is tempting? Right. I mean, I, yeah, I like, I like Mike Williams too. But I, I like Mike Williams a whole hell of a lot more at, 10 mil that I like him at 15 if I'm the charger. So maybe that might be a restructure situation. Also, they could sign him to an extension. I think this is the last year of his rookie deal, kind of bump some of that money down the line a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, before we get into our next topic, which is the NBA all-star weekend, which is this coming Sunday. Do either of you two have anything else about NFL cuts any players that were cut this week, namely Kyle Van Noy, Golden Tate, Kyle Rudolph, Thomas Morstead. Any thoughts on those guys before we keep it moving? Real quick, I didn't Von Miller, I'm just having a flashback now. Didn't he already get cut? Or is that just No, they're talking about it, but they want to restructure Okay. His deal because he wants to be back. They want him back, but they don't want him back at eighteen. That's so what it might I be thought, an extension. Push the money down the line. They have him. When I was looking at, they already cleared his cap off. But I agree. I think. Well, he had those legal issues too, and everything. I just think. Um, I think he'll be back he's, eventually, barring he's not going to be making eight. He's not going to be making eighteen from the Broncos next season. Yeah. Okay, so it's an option. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's yeah. not. Yeah, that's why it's off the book right now. I don't have. I don't have much else on the on the topic other than you know to the to the people that got cut. Um, you know, you're a loser. Uh, maybe be better at your job, and then you won't get fired. There that's all is. I gotta say. <laughs> well, well put. With that being said, let's talk about some people that are the opposite of losers, and that's NBA All Stars. Um, the NBA draft well, was to be fair, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are both losers. Saltier than the lake after that game. They, they, they were, were both picked they, last. And yes. they were both picked <laughs> yeah. last, the losers. Nerds. All right, we're talking mostly, we're just going to be talking about the starters here, but it was interesting that the team with the best record in the league, their two all stars were the last picks in the all star draft, which is. Well, like, Maybe, maybe you guys know better. Like, 
I mean, obviously, you know, we're all Sixers fans here. What was Donovan Mitchell talking about? Like, he was, like, talking about the refs. He was like, oh, it's been happening all year. Like, they have the best record in the West. What are we, what are we talking the about? the best record in the league. Yeah, like, what? I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, I, I don't get where that was coming from, where he was like, oh, this has been happening all year. Like, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I think it's I mean, kind of like they made twenty-one threes and lost. Kid, I think it's what like recess where you see a kid try to play somebody bigger, and when they get dominated, they say like the shoes weren't tied or something. Like I think that's kind of what happened. But for a team that shoots so many threes, like Matt was touching on, how is he like? You don't get fouled that often shooting threes. You more get it driving to the hoop or down low. So who knows what he? I just think he was a little butthurt. Um, but I think he was talking about how, like, maybe the technicals. I mean, it seemed like both of the times they were uh, one, he got the first one he got was because he reacted to Embiid getting fouled, which I guess they thought wasn't a foul, so he must have said something. And the second time in overtime, he also was just fired up. So we like, we don't know what he said, but if you know, if he said things that weren't terrible, you know, and maybe just was kind of his normal game talk. And given like the height and the intensity of the moment, he was tossed out. Something like that, I could understand it. Um, Based off of the Sixers' reactions, it sounded like he was. It was saying something, something out of pretty you know, severe. Yeah, I mean, didn't like, him and Simmons have a little bit of beef going on coming in this game or something. Like Mitchell was well, pretty much yeah, saying, like, not he's Mitchell overrated or. Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell was, still tried to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's still upset about Rookie of the Year. Cont- yeah, he needs to move on and like his. <laughs> I don't know. That was what? Who, how many years ago was that now? Three? Who, it's always interesting because you see some dudes on the court from where we're sitting on our couches, comfy, watching, um, just spit, flying, yelling, and they're cool. And then you see somebody could be calm as ever. But it just all depends what you're saying. <laughs> like Brian said, it all depends what you're saying. So who knows? Who knows? Um, but like Matt was saying, Let's talk a little bit about like the first round, like the starters here. Um, did you get a chance to look at the starting lineups, Bry? I did. Yeah, I I forget what team it was. I like the team with Embiid on it better. I mean, one obviously, but I believe it's Team Durant. Um, uh, but I don't know. I I didn't like the way that LeBron's team was formed. I let me see. Let me pull it back up. That's the side sure. I was on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The problem think, with Team Durant is that Kevin Durant's not on it because yeah. he's hurt. Tatum's playing for him, but which does yeah. kind of throw a wrench in how good that team could be. I, 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 I guess my thing is I like the fact that it seems more like a you know you have a a one, a two, a three, a four, and a five. More basketball like, oriented. Yeah, well, like LeBron, LeBron is like. I mean, I, I guess it's like every every one of them, but Steph Curry can play like any position. But it's like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist sometimes when it comes to basketball. Yeah. And the teams for the people that don't know, Team LeBron is LeBron, Giannis, Steph Curry, Luca, and Jokic. Whereas Team Durant, even though Durant's not playing, is Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, and Joel Embiid. So we were talking before we started recording game seven of the finals. What team do you think wins and why? Grand team Durant still does not have Kevin Durant on it because he put Durant at the four. I'm against Tatum, but Durant at the four. 
yikes. But these two teams that are starting off, not the All-Star game, because nobody plays defense, nobody cares. But in game seven of the finals, which team do you like? Yeah, and I think that just makes a better conversation, right? Because we've all seen All-Star games. (laughs) It's a free-for-all, just see how far you can shoot and dunk, right? Um, I think game seven NBA finals, you got to look at it. And it's like the defensive end that team Durant's bringing, I think with JoJo and Kawhi, is just lethal right there. And then, you know, Kyrie can bring it. If Kyrie gets his head straight, the Duke can ball. So you look at that, and then you've got two lethal scorers with Beal and Tatum. I just – I lean Team Duran, I think, potentially game seven, game on the line, more so too because who's going to run on the defensive end with them? Like Brian said earlier, you got a lot of very good players, but you got a lot of guys who can play all positions. So Joe, Joe Kick, I'm assuming, is going to stick and beat. I'm taking JoJo. Go Sixers. Um, I'm assuming – Giannis or LeBron would go on Tatum, right, and Kawhi. That's a two bulls going at it, but I think they could get some points both ways. Luca, Beal, Luca probably takes it. Kyrie, Steph, Kyrie. But I just think the way the basketball court, it's going to flow. I think Team Durant, I think. Talent, I think Team LeBron probably has it. But five on five, game seven, you need to play positions. You need to run an offense. I think Durant's players are going to spread the ball out better in a real game. That's where I think it comes in is the defensive side. I think um, Durant's team Durant's defense is going to be able to shut down um, team LeBron's. Um, I think when you look at, you know, you have Kawhi and Joel Embiid, two perennial, you know, all NBA defenders, obviously, Team LeBron has Giannis, who is, you know, MVP, uh, defensive player of the year. But, you know, you look at Steph Curry, you look at Jokic, you look at Luka Doncic, all those guys are negative defenders. LeBron, when he wants to be, can be a great defender. But for the most part, it, four out of your five starters are below average defenders. So when you compare that with Team Durant, who has, you know, Tatum, Embiid, and Leonard, like all guys who are plus defenders and all guys who can funnel. Ooh, top five. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you have Beal and Kyrie who can handle the bulk of the scoring with Joel being able to handle down low. I, I, I just like the way that Team Durant's built. And obviously, I mean, if you put Durant on, there's no question, but even without him, I'd still like that team. I think if we were talking all-star game, which granted this is what these lines are for, like, betting-wise, in an all-star game, give me Team LeBron, right? Because that team's just going to be a lot of fun, a lot of razzle-dazzle. It's going to be the show that the I'm all-star scoring. game is looking for. A lot of scoring, which is – that's their hope, right, is that they just outscore if this were to be a real game. They got to hope it beats cold. They got to hope that, you know, Bradley well, Beal's not making be shooting, shots. But... Steph's going to be shooting those half-court threes and draining them, too, so <laughs> – Right, but like that's like that's their chance is like one. I mean, I see. Oh, I, when I thought of this LeBron lineup, I put LeBron at the point guard, and I feel like him being able to drive and dish it out to shooters is would be, or even even that, and then you can give it to Jokic, who can also handle the ball as a big guy. Maybe something where you almost run Jokic at like the four, 
and put Giannis to five. You know, that's kind of reversing their normal positions just so you can keep the ball moving around and then keep Giannis down in the post where outside of that, he's essentially useless almost, it feels like, in the half court. So that would be the way that I think they have the best chance to win. I don't think they will in an actual game. But if we're betting on the all-star game, which, I mean, don't threaten me with a good time, I think give me Team LeBron. Yeah, and I just look at who's playing off ball. You know Kawhi can play off ball. Joe can obviously play off ball. Tatum can play off ball. Beal can play off. Like, they can all be efficient players, above average, good players, without the ball in their hands. LeBron, obviously these guys can too, but you watch the Lakers. LeBron is best with the ball. He can dish. He can move. Giannis is best with the ball, right? Curry, best with the ball. Luka, best with the ball. Jokic with the ball so it's like how do they feel standing there without the ball in their hands because if you have LeBron bringing it up Curry I'm not worried he can sit and shoot from wherever the heck the guy wants to he's lethal but is he going to get separation from Tatum or Beal whoever or Kyrie or it's so and then Giannis and LeBron together in a real game that lane's going to be clogged up by Jojo right so you're gonna have to kick it and then you have guys outside but I just think all those players are best ISO best with the ball in their hands making things happen compared to the other team, Team Durant can, I think, play better spacing off the ball. Right. I'm not worried about Steph being able to create space and find no. his shot. No way. Steph might – actually, Steph would probably shoot a higher percentage if this was a <laughs> given situation. Steph might shoot, like, 58% from three. If you got yeah. LeBron driving and people just, like, crash the paint, then he just kicks it out to Steph. Steph might not miss – that was a good point that you made though, Corey, about like people playing off ball. It's like, you know, you want Jokic bringing the ball up, or you want Luca bringing the ball up, and it's like LeBron doesn't play off the ball. Like he's never played off the ball in his career. Um, like Giannis doesn't play off the ball. Like he, can't, he, Giannis actually can't play off ball. Like he can only be used in like a dunker role where. He, yeah. yeah, like, so, like, it's kind of like, I mean, you, you know, it's turned into kind of like a joke where it's like, oh, like, there's only one ball. But, like, I feel like in the game seven of NBA finals, like, this team, it's like, well, I do think they would have some spacing issues. I do think mm-hmm. that they would have, like, an odd fit together just because every one of them, like, need the ball in their hands. You don't, you know, you don't want Luca just being a spot up shooter. Like you don't want Jokic just being a spot up shooter. Like, yep. would they be effective as it? Yeah, probably. But that's not where they're best. When looking at these teams, it almost looks like LeBron drafted guys that he think he could market to be in his next movie, whereas Kevin Durant tried to put an actual team together. Like LeBron's just getting the guys that are in the commercials. Like, how many commercials does Steph have? How many times, you know, you've seen Giannis in commercials, you know? Whereas, like, I don't think it beads what? He's in half of one Hulu commercial? Bradley Beal is not of commercials. <laughs> like, it feels like LeBron tried to, like, create the all, like, I don't know, the all, like, famous on social media team, whereas Kevin Durant tried to actually put a lineup together that could win games. Yeah, and, I mean, we have to go back to we're talking game seven, right? But this 
this is going to be the all-star game. You're going to see Giannis dribble down, everybody hang back. He's going to go one-on-one with like Tatum or Embiid for fun. So I think if you look at it, LeBron went star power, like you're saying, you know, he right. took Seth, he took Luca, he took Giannis, he took the big names, obviously JoJo, huge name, but on the other team. But it's, again, it's just interesting to see how they go about this. Like, you know, if we drafted, not knowing these guys, not like they have friendships, they have all sorts of stuff weighing into this too. So I think Durant, if you're fielding a team for real hard basketball games, championship line, I agree 100% drafted a better overall spacing team, just long-term team. I think LeBron just went star power and they're going to, you're going to see some crazy ISO plays with them. Like I think you're going to see some where they just all step out and just let it go one-on-one a lot, which we see in all. Well, what was interesting was, so LeBron of the first pick and he took Giannis. Then with the second pick, Durant took Kyrie. And then Kevin Durant had the first pick of like the reserves round. And he took Harden. So KD was out there just picking his friends and then picking guys he needed to fill positions. But I, but he was smart. His second pick was Embiid. So he knew he took to, to when to, who to take and when to take him. But at the same time, like, if Kyrie wasn't on the Nets, Kyrie wouldn't have been second overall pick, like, in the All-Star draft. You know? Yeah, he also might just not want Kyrie to ghost the team again and disappear. So he might have just taken him. Sure keep keep morale. Keep morale. So he can't get re- so he can't get recruited to a different team for next season. Well, he, he exactly. doesn't want Kyrie going off and running another uh, state senate campaign. Yeah, like, <laughs> he doesn't know when Kyrie's just going to ghost him at any moment. Be like, oh, we're about to be in the championship. <laughs> See you guys. Remember when you didn't draft me number one in the All Star game, Durant? Kevin so Durant. Durant. Kevin Grant just comes into work one day and Kyrie's locker's cleared out. It's like, oh, yeah. God, what, what happened to Kyrie? They're like, we don't know. He just left. <laughs> but he played with Luca at the All-Star game and decided he wanted to play in Dallas. Yeah. Started, yeah. started investing with Mark Cuban and he saw the financial future for him. So he left yeah. because he played with Luca. Yeah, I agree. It is. And that's what it, it's just funny to watch how the draft plays out. Like you see some friendships, right? Like obviously LeBron was taking Chris Paul. As close as they are, you knew he was going to be. Chris Paul with LeBron. It's just interesting um, to look at those different things. Right, like LeBron also took Ben Simmons. Yeah. You know, LeBron takes all of Clutch. He takes all of uh, Clutch athletes. He also just likes those ginormous physical freaks. Like, (laughs) he has a couple guys that should not be physically doing what they're doing with the ball in their hands, but. There was three That's guys not. left on the board. I was watching the draft. There's three guys on the board. It was Sabonis, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. And LeBron was like, all right, you know, my, uh, my reserves, we need a little bit of size. So he took the 6'9 center in Sabonis when like seven foot eight Rudy, Rudy Gobert is still sitting there. And at the end of the draft, Chuck started clowning on him. Well, uh, I think I, everyone just hates Rudy Gobert. Didn't he cry? Yeah, he didn't make the All Star game a few years ago. Like, and didn't he like touch also, he, mics he and they go get everybody COVID. in the Jazz locker room COVID? Yeah. Like, um, he, he, I also think just saw Embiid just completely bitch Gobert last game, and he's like, "Yep, nope, not happening. Don't want him." And then he ended up with also, him anyway. Gobert seems like the type of person Matt would try to get a beer with. What? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely Gobert's not. the type of person that Matt would try to get a beer with. Rudy Gobert and Dwayne Haskins. To get a beer we, all, with Rudy Gobert. we all know that's how I judge people's character. Rudy Gobert not making the cut. Sorry. That's where the, uh, the line's drawn in the sand. Yeah, Rudy Gobert. No, you get, you canceled the NBA last year. Sorry, not a chance. Uh, um, but also, it's the all-star game. You're trying to like, – it's an outscoring situation. Nobody plays defense. Yeah. It's the only thing Rudy Gobert no, does. No, no one needs Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Exactly. Thanks, Rudy, but you're, but you're 14 points a game. Just you're not going to be a high pick. You're yeah, not, he's not, not built for this. He's not built for an all-star no. game. Good player. There's Very, like, I like – I like clowning on him, but he's a good player, but not, not built for an all-star game. Instead of the, if there's like a shot blocking contest or a catch LU contest, Rudy Gobert right up. How there. would that even work? But, like they would send like me on the court and just let me try to shoot on Gobert and just let him just see how many shots I, he blocks. Like. You know, the, uh, what's like the, uh, the thing where they, where they hit uh, like punts in practice, the, uh, the jugs machines. Yeah. Fire a basketball through one of those, and they got to get up there and yeah. they just like break wrists, <laughs> dislocate elbows. Here's a here's a fun <laughs> hypothetical I, I heard uh, before. If you were on like you, everyone knows the courts in like a middle school gym with the six hoops, right? If yeah. you were put on a court with one ball and <laughs> Kawhi Leonard with ta- was tasked with defending you, do you think you'd be able mm-hmm. to score on any of the six hoops? No chance. Where do I start with the ball? You, wherever it does, I, I don't know if it matters. <laughs> you could put Kawhi at the other end of the court and put me under the one hoop, and I'm missing that layup out of pure think, fear that I, he's about to wreck my shit. Actually, you, you know what I say? I bet I'll say that we you both start at mid court. I was guessing mid court. Well, mid mid court's the hardest. It's the hardest spot because you're equidistant from all the other baskets. You, well, just about. I'm not outrunning. It's like a turn. turn I could, uh, you start you start at you start at midcourt and you have eight hours. Do you score any I'm hours? scoring. Yes. Eight, eight hours is hurting me. And that's making it harder for town. me to score. I'm gonna pass out. Are there Our offensive only chance is Matt, I would Matt, start Kawhi off would by have throwing the ball off his face? Kawhi would have I would torture chamber, Matt. I would turn and run. Run, he would just walk next to you. <laughs> and I would t- <laughs> But I would turn and run the other way. We would be one. You how know, long do I have to train? Two train. are two are there offensive fouls? Three are there defensive fouls? I don't think I, he's going to need are, any fouls, buddy. This is. I'm just saying. Can I like punch him in the nose and then turn around and run the other way and lay it in? Hope he doesn't catch me. Matt, if like, you punched him, in, I don't know if, if you, you punched reach him, his nose. Matt, if you punched him in. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is like six seven and just a brick wall. You punch him in the nose, he just he just pushes you over. <laughs> this this is how I visualize it. You know, you see those little kids on like the play hoop, like the little extendable one, the little orange ball, mm-hmm. and you see like an older brother just standing there, kids running around all crazy, and then he goes to shoot, and the guy just slaps it down. Yeah, that's how it would go with Kawhi for me. He would just stand there and watch me try to run around, do whatever I want. And then he would just block everything I put up. Although, although Matt, I, having said all that, I also do agree with you. I would definitely bitch slap Kawhi and score on his bitch ass. <laughs> that's, I would throw the ball the right hope. off his face. That's my only hope. I'm checking it right off his face and then just <laughs> taking off. I, 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 I hit Kawhi with turn and run. I hit Kawhi with a quick Euro step into a layup. Get out of town. I'm going between his legs. Freaking. That would be 
I would pay so much money to watch any of us take on any of these guys <laughs> in one-on-one. It doesn't have to – it could be Steph Curry. I don't know. I don't think I'm scoring with Steph Curry. Think about it like this. Remember Brian Scalabrini, legend? Remember when he took on the open invitational where he challenged? He's like, I might be the worst player in the NBA, but I will beat every single regular person in basketball. And he challenged anybody could show, and he just trashed them all. And it's like, that puts in perspective how, how good these guys are. When Brian Scalabrini, who was the awful legend, but awful, just trashes us. <laughs> yeah, I think. Don't disrespect the white mama like that. Hey, I think what we don't like, what we don't really see is like, you know, you, you see them obviously against like other NBA players, but like when you actually like put them against like normal people, like you always see like these guys who are like, you know, 10 years retired and they're just like absolutely dominating, like at like a YMCA or at like a yeah. planet fitness or whatever. It's like, Oh, oh yeah. These guys are different. <laughs> yes. They're not normal. <laughs> And Did you I also see the think- video that came out a couple years ago? It was in B, just like playing like pickup in like a park in Philly, and yeah. he bounced the ball. The dude's forehead then windmill dunked. <laughs> and that's why I love JoJo, like that right there. Like, but also I think for me sometimes you forget how tall these people are. Like it's yeah. easy when you watch them on a television, then you look at your door frame and you're like, maybe like four of them could fit through my door. Oh, like yeah. Seth, Steph Curry's walking through my door chilling everybody else might have some issues besides Kyrie <laughs> like well door frames are what six eight I mean that's six eight yeah it's LeBron that's right like LeBron they're not all just cruising through here like you look at these guys like six eight's massive it's huge this it, it is game. massive so uh, it's well how tall is Steph like six foot six one six three is he uh, I'm thinking of not Steph um we think of AI as a midget when AI is probably taller than me <laughs> or the same AI height is me. AI is taller than you well no they listed him at six foot six one is he really probably not he's okay. probably around my height but on the NBA court we laugh at how tiny he is when in real life he's literally probably taller than me that puts in the perspective yeah. how big these humans are I mean Rudy Gobert's seven two. I mean, Rudy Gobert physically, like, I mean, he stinks at offense, but he can't walk through doors. Well, I'm taking Boban first. Hilarious. Off. Seeing that man in person would be my dream. He is that's just, an, just an interesting dream to have. Of all the dreams you could have, that's the one you're choosing, dude. Bobby and Toby, the dude has a personality and he's huge. What would it there be to like? That's a guy I would want to have a beer with. Okay, well, I, I was gonna say, I mean, for you know. $5,000, you get courtside seats next time Bobby's in a person. There you go. Dream come true. <laughs> dream come true. You could have had any other dream, but you just want to see Bobby in person. No, I want to hang out with him. He just seems like a good That's guy. Not just, I don't think I would understand him. I don't think I would understand anything he said to me, but he would be fun to just hang out with. He was in that John Wick movie. I don't remember which one. John, John Wick Parabellum. There you Spe- go. you watch it? No, I just know that he was in it because he was on the Sixers at the time. Well, I was going to say, talk about understanding. Like, I've never, I don't think I've ever really heard him talk. So, like, can we, can, is he understood in that movie? I know he died because he got, took a book to the face. I, I think he's impressive. just a, I think he's just a, um, I think he's a non-speaking role. I think, I think oh. he's just like a silent assassin. 
but he's getting like, assassinated. Again, I, I have no idea. I've never seen the movie. I just said that. I've never <laughs> seen that movie either. But uh, spe- speaking of getting a beer with Boban and how large these human beings are, you guys know the picture of Andre the Giant, like with like a regular yes. sized beer can in his hand. Yeah, hilarious. That's, that will always be like the most startling photo of all time. It just puts everything into perspective how big some of these people are. Like Brian said, a beer can that we hold, like our hand doesn't even go all the way around it. And this dude's holding it like it's like a peanut. It looks like it looks yeah, like one a, finger goes all the way around it. It looks like a baby's yeah. toy. It did. It looked like a fake little can. It did. It, it was yeah. shocking. And then you hear stories about him drinking like 16 bottles of wine in a night. And I'm like, good lord. Like, and that was just his warm up. Yeah, he drank 100, yeah, what is it, 128 beers in one night? Yeah. Well, even, even the even even the average athletes are drink us under the table. I mean, we're not. I would say average athletes, but average you know sized athletes. Wade Wade Boggs used to put down yeah three cases on a cross country flight <laughs> on a flight. What a guy! All right, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Beer Talk. Um, we. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see y'all next week. We'll recap the uh, the pandemonium that hopefully was this week in the NFL. Um, look for look for something to pop off tomorrow, meaning Friday. Um, just because that seems to be how it goes. Things just happen the day after we record these, so probably something big will happen tomorrow. So that's exciting. You know, can't wait to react from that a week after it happens. That's always how you like timing to work out. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you all next week.